Hey guys, welcome to the Bad Blood Football Podcast. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at the games from this season's divisional round uh, last weekend and see who made the better predictions in our pregame show. So, so far, Dan's up 5-3 to three this postseason, and Rob's sitting all the way down at 3-5, and five, so looks like he's going to be wearing something super stupid. <laughs> um, you can check out our Twitter for information about that contest we're doing. So, let's just get into this 49ers-Vikings game. The 49ers, you know, they were the favorites. Pretty obvious choice for this one. Uh, they won 27-10. to 10. So, this game is a lot about the defense uh, from the 49ers. So, who do you think on the... Uh, Vikings offense underperformed to allow them to get so few points. So obviously uh, Dalvin Cook underperformed here. He only had 18 yards. He was a two-yard average on nine different carries. He only had, he had six receptions for eight yards. He overall was a terrible, terrible player this time around. Um, did not step up to the to the stage and did not help Kirk Cousins. This kind of turned them into a one-dimensional offense, which Kirk Cousins is unlike other quarterbacks like Pat Mahomes, who can be a one-dimensional offense. He performed to his ability, but I don't think it was good enough to face the 49ers defense that is, um, they dominated him, essentially. Kirk Cousins only had a 34 QBR. You know, he threw 179 yards. He was relatively accurate with a touchdown, but yeah, he just, uh, he couldn't face that guy good defense and be a one-dimensional offense like um, they forced him to be. Also, Adam Thielen also underperformed, in my opinion, with only 50 yards um, on five different receptions. He just was not getting the, the yards after catch that he should have been getting. Stephon Diggs did have a good catch there in, uh, at the end of the first half, I think, uh, catching uh, catching a ball over, over a defender, but... Other than that, I mean, it was a poor performance by the Vikings, and it showed. I uh, I definitely agree with Robert. I think Dalvin Cook uh, underperformed greatly. Uh, it was not a good game for him at all. I think, as Rob was saying, Kirk Cousins did his best. His completion rating was um, almost spot on. He got the passes off to eight different receivers in the game, which was pretty um, important. I think that was important for their offense, but it's they still couldn't get the job done. I think also someone that kind of underperformed for me, even, although he had the touchdown, as Rob was mentioning, he only had two receptions. They need to get him more involved in the offense. They need to get him more receptions on the field because he is their number one receiver, and he just needs to get out there more and get more yards and touchdowns for them. 100%. And then also, and I don't know if you were going to say this, but that offensive line also kind of sucked. I mean, he, he was uh, Kirk Cousins was sacked six different times. That's kind of unexcusable. Yeah, it's a ridiculous amount of sacks so far this postseason. I wonder if it's going to yeah. be some kind of record. Like, So given how bad the Vikings played this game and how few points they got, who do you think stood out on their team? You know, there's got to be a couple shining lights there. So I'm going to have to go with Kendricks. Uh, he was probably the shining light of the Vikings. Uh, he had an interception. He had eight tackles. On the defensive side of the ball, he was probably the only one that was really there besides Kirk Cousins. I mean, an honorable mention would be Kirk Cousins. I mean, like we were just, I'm not going to reiterate everything we just said, but that completion, you know, hitting so many different receivers, you know, he, he can't do it alone. He needs a team. But, uh, but yeah, I think Kendricks on the defense was, um, was their shining light. And I also would agree with this. I think they both they needed to perform a lot better on both sides of the ball, but the player that came out on top that performed the best was Kendricks. For the 49ers, uh, Jimmy G threw only 131 yards that game. So how do you think they were able to get so many points? You know, 27 points with only 131 yards through the air from your quarterback is a lot. Uh, and they didn't have any huge rushers either. So what do you think allowed them to do that without their quarterback being you know super relevant? So I think Coleman, uh, the running back, would be the number one um, 
contender for that. You know, on 22 carries, he had 105 yards. He was getting about 4.7 yards a carry. He also had two TDs. I mean, I think that that's, um, that's a pretty solid performance. Plus, they also had a second running back on Munster, who uh, who had 12 carries, 58 yards, 4.8-yard average. I mean, their running backs are doing work on that defense. Uh, the receivers are also being really physical. So anytime Jimmy G was able to get the ball into receivers' hands, especially Debo Samuel, he was able to be real physical. You know, he was getting the second and third attempt on those third downs that were really pushing him forward and you're getting the hard-earned yards uh, that these receivers needed to get. Emmanuel uh, Sanders only had two receptions for 30, 33 yards, which uh, he should have done better. But, I mean, granted, it was, you know, a running attack-focused offense, it seemed, with only 33 plays going for positive yards or any yards at all. So you can't really expect that much uh, in the way of yards with something like that. But uh, also George Kittle, also three receptions for only 16 yards. Their leading receiver did not get into it like he should have. Uh, it was kind of disappointing to see him not perform like he has been all season. But then again, that is to the lack of um, passes that they were able to complete and actually attempt throughout the game. And I would agree. I think this team is dynamic on both sides of the ball. They have great players on offense and defense. I think their run game was stellar this game, as Rob said, with Coleman. Uh, he did a great performance as a starting running back, and they shared carries, and he still put up the points that he did. I was very disappointed in George Kittle's performance. I would have expected more yards and at least a touchdown or two with the top three tight end in the league. Um, another or two people I would like to highlight when we go in talking about the defense is Richard Sherman, who is a uh, ex-Seattle Seahawks player, uh, one of the top cornerbacks in the league. He had an interception for 13 yards that was very pivotal and um Got the momentum going for the 49ers as well as Nick Bosa's uh, performance with two sacks and uh, a couple of tackles for losses on the defensive side. And he did a great job on the uh, pass rush for the 49ers. Yeah, I would definitely have to reiterate that that defensive line. Uh, Bosa, Armstead, and Ford with Ford returning for the first time. Just kind of like J.J. Watt. I guess he was inspired by him. Uh, they all came back. Very disruptive group of guys there. Uh, very solid defensive line. Especially, like you were saying, Nick Bosa. Um, one of the Bosa brothers, you know, crazy family. Uh, but uh, Nick Bosa, especially in this game, was super disruptive to the Vikings game. He was probably one of the sole reasons Dalvin Cook couldn't get going because they were scared of that defensive line and Bosa. Um, and it was just an all-around solid performance by the defensive line. Richard Sherman, uh, he would argue that he's the best cornerback in the league. I might agree with him, especially playoff-wise. Uh, he was listing some statistics in a in a recent video I saw him post on a uh, post-game show. <laughs> I agree. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Richard Sherman as a lockdown corner, scary. You you just don't throw against him. This defensive line, you can't run against him. I do not know what the Packers are going to do in that situation, but we're going to find out next weekend. Yeah, phenomenal defense. Uh, they, as we were talking about the line, they racked up six sack, sacks this game, and that was a great performance by them. So looks like for the MVP, you guys are looking at Nick Bosa or Richard Sherman. Who, who would you guys pick? I would definitely have to go with Nick Bosa, just being so so disruptive at the defensive end position. You know, that can really just lead a defense um, to pretty much the promised land at that point. If you can't get a run game going, like we were saying, he turned them into a one-dimensional offense. If you get him in that situation where you don't have a dynamic quarterback like Jackson or Breeze, you know, you, you really you can't rely on just your quarterback at that point, especially someone like Kirk Cousins. Uh, Nick Bosa racking up two sacks, like we were saying, six solo tackles <clears throat> and a pair of tackles for losses. You can't really ask much more of a defensive tackle, a rookie defensive tackle or defensive end. 
Yeah, my honorable mentions are the uh, the same with Nick Bosa on the defensive side. I'd also say an honorable mention is definitely their starting running back Coleman with the stats he put up. I would also like to say that uh, Jimmy Grappolo didn't have the greatest game, but he had a solid performance. And I know in this game specifically, both QBs get heckled a lot. As the end at the end of the uh, 49ers victory, a lot of their players on their team were telling people that they should give uh, Jimmy Grappolo the respect that he deserves, and I completely agree with that. Well, and, and 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 one more thing I would also like to mention about the 49ers. This was a very, very, very good showing of their ability, uh, like they've been showing all season long. Um, this was an absolute dominant performance, and I think that this is um, it's a good look forward into what next season can bring for the 49ers as long as they all stay healthy again, and uh, they're going to be really scary moving forward in the playoffs. All right, yeah, I basically agree with that. So let's go into this Titans-Ravens game. Um, it was 28-12. Titans took it, you know, against a heavy favorite in the Ravens. What do you guys think about that? It's a pretty crazy result for this to happen. Yeah, this is probably one of the most shocking games I've, I've ever seen, honestly. Uh, the Titans looked absolutely fresh. I know the announcers were saying something like they've been playing playoff football for six weeks in a row because they were in a in a win or, or get out pretty much scenario for the last six weeks of the season. Uh, most of the Ravens starters were, were, you know, resting for the last 20 days, so they had that, that calcified rust pretty much essentially all for those 20 days and uh it showed i mean the, the receivers are dropping balls left and right lamar jackson he he had to throw 59 times you know like i feel like lamar jackson is going to be you know 50 percent run 50 percent pass super dynamic um but this time it just you know he fell apart he had a 31.6 qbr 365 yards which was good but i mean titans as a whole had 500 and something yards which was double the amount of yards the titans had and that's just, obviously, it wasn't enough. They had, you know, longer fields, and they just couldn't punch it in when the time came. Lamar Jackson was throwing high, throwing low. Uh, the receivers' hands were slippery. Pretty much, they were just giving it to uh, giving it to the Titans back and forth. And, yeah, and Mark Ingram looked bad. I know he got hurt with the calf. He was coming in hurt. He only had six carries for 22 yards. Uh, for Mark Ingram, that's kind of um, inexcusable, being the uh, phenomenal running back he is. And Lamar Jackson did have 20 carries for 140 yards. So, like I was saying last week, uh, he is a very dynamic player. He probably deserves the MVP. Yeah, I mean, the way they were playing, they did not deserve to win that game, in my opinion. Man, and they started the game off very poor with their first possession with an interception, and then their second possession a turnover on downs. Uh, I also, I also just think like they with those first key possessions in the first quarter and they just getting turned over and the Titans capitalizing and scoring on the both possessions once uh, they received the ball that really killed their confidence and I agree with your statement in the previous episode where maybe the bye week isn't the greatest thing because you were sitting and waiting and as you said rusting and especially with a QB that is um, who is very young, inexperienced in the postseason. So I think that would have definitely benefited their team a lot if they actually just played through the weeks and didn't have to sit at home watching the games. Uh, Derrick Henry did not fail again. I know I took the Ravens this game, and he's really showing me up, making a believer out of me because he threw up another 190-plus yards, 6.5 yards average, and he did a stellar performance while Tannehill still struggles to QB his offense. I, I, I think I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think Tannehill actually had a uh, pretty pretty good um, showing of his ability this week. I mean, 7 for 14, you know, 50% of his passes were complete for 88 yards. However, you know, you have Derrick Henry, who is this running back who is 
just chipping away all the time. 195 yards. That's just that's insane. And he and and Ryan Tannehill had two throwing touchdowns. You know what I mean? It's like you can't really ask much more of your QB who's only given 14 chances to throw the ball. And granted, he's not the best, but like allowing Derrick Henry to take most of the weight, I think that just helps him in the long run. And when he was passing the ball, I think he looked pretty accurate. He threw some pretty nice looking passes, especially in the corner of the end zone. Um, I think that was he had a I think he had a good showing his ability in my opinion. I mean, granted, I still think he's not a good quarterback, but in the playoffs he seems to maybe be stepping up a little bit. Maybe maybe next week he'll he you know, he'll shut down like I always thought he would. Um, but we'll see. Well, he did have that phenomenal uh, pass to Raymond for the reception for a 45 yards touchdown deep pass, like you said, in the corner. That was a phenomenal play on his part, and I uh, give all the respect for him in that sense. Yeah, and it was quite interesting. I mean, so I guess I want to talk about the Titans' defense for a second here. So they were able to stop Lamar Jackson's, um, pretty much stop him from scoring, essentially, because he was still getting yards. There was no doubt about that. He racked up over 400 yards on his own, actually almost over 500 yards on his own. Like that's that's pretty that's pretty crazy, but they still stopped him from scoring. They stopped him, and they actually looked worse. The Ravens did looked worse than New England did last week. They had one less point, and granted, they had more yards, but New England was able to keep the Titans down to you know 14 points minus the pick six because obviously that was thrown intentionally. And yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think New England would have been better in this spot. Now, granted, I don't know that their team would have beaten the Ravens the way the Titans did because the Titans do have Derrick Henry. You can wear a defense down with him. But I do think the Ravens played worse than New England did 100% than last week. You know, this, this is a pretty dominant performance. I mean, you would have thought the Ravens were into, like, BDSM or some shit with how hard they got dominated this game. So how much blame would you place on Lamar's back? And, you know, who else would you shift the blame to if you don't think it's mostly his fault? I mean, Lamar, I mean, Lamar's got to take some, some blame. I mean, he wasn't able to get it done. He wasn't able to drive the ball down. He has two interceptions. Granted, they're both not his fault. I mean, I will, one of them is. The other one, I would say, you know, Hurst should have caught the ball, hit him in the hands, but shit happens. Um, but... It also has to fall on you know the receivers that were dropping the ball like like Willie Sneed was just dropping the ball. He had six six receptions for eight targets. Yeah, he dropped the ball only twice, but the receptions that he dropped uh, were right in his hands, and it was just it was a poor performance. The defense, I mean, they didn't play the way they should have. They should have played better. Uh, being you know, I think it was I think they're the fourth ranked defense in the league. I mean, that's they they should have not let the Titans come in as a nine and seven team and and beat them like that. And also the frustration that began to set in for the for the Ravens, especially right after the first quarter when they you know started turning the ball over, they weren't able to get those first downs on fourth down like they've been so good throughout the season. To get you could you could see the frustration set in, especially with Lamar Jackson getting that penalty uh, when he tackled the guy on the interception. It just uh, it just didn't look good for them. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there already have seen uh, Earl Thomas's pre-game interview where he was dissing the Patriots defense not being able to stop Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry did the same exact thing he did it worse defense and he made Earl Thomas specifically look like a child (laughs) he made him look like a lead blocker he was trying to tackle he said turn around son block for me please and (laughs) keep pushing him yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. These For me, these teams just can't find a way to stop Derrick Henry. Once they find a way to stop Derrick Henry, then that'll be a game. But if they can't stop him, it's going to be very dominant for the uh, Titans offense when they're moving down the field every possession. And, and of course, you know, now Jackson's probably looking to get a refund for those Rolexes. He got all his offensive linemen during a regular season. 
as a gift. I mean, because they they and they they played like crap. They just let him. They just let the defense get to him over and over. You know, he can't take sacks. He can't be getting pressured like that. He's so fast. It doesn't yep. make any sense that they let that happen. Uh-huh. So you know, MVP is pretty clear here. It's obviously Henry again. But I was wondering if you guys had any other honorable mentions from either either side of the ball. So so. Like you're saying, it's obviously it's Derrick Henry. It was his game to lose once again. It's going to be his game to lose next week as well. You know, with 175 plus yards a game in the in the postseason, you can't ask much more than that. Um, his stiff arms are are on the next level here. Uh, he's just a dominant and dynamic back. Uh, you know, he also threw he also threw a uh, a, uh, a touchdown. Uh, right over the head, just like he did in high school. So, I mean, you can't really ask much more of that, Derek Henry. I don't have any honorable mentions because, to be honest with you, I mean, if I had to give one, it'd probably be to Lamar Jackson just because he put up almost over 500 yards uh, by himself. But other than that, I mean, everyone else on the on the Titans did not look sound. It was just Derek Henry, in my opinion. Although Lamar might get the MVP, I don't agree with that honorable mention. I don't think he should get recognized for that performance. Um, but on the Titans' side, besides Derek Henry, I would give it to Kevin Bayard. For the um, first quarter interception that, um, like I said, killed the momentum for Baltimore and drove the Titans to get their first touchdown and their second possession touchdown as well. So I'd give an honorable mention to Bayard. I like that shout. So let's let's go into this Chiefs and Texans game. This is easily, easily the best game of this postseason. I was loving it. It was my guy, Pat Mahomes. <laughs> he just blew them up. So... All right, what, what mistakes do you think the Chiefs made to get so far behind in the first quarter? You know, everyone thinks that the only story is how good they were, but it is a little alarming that they let themselves get so far behind so early on in that game. What do you think they did to let themselves get there? Easy. A punt block and a fumble on a punt, they're, they will kill you in the long run. Now, I mean, you can't really do much about it when you muff a punt, but, like, you, you had them stopped on fourth down, man. Like, if you muff a punt, you're, you're just screwing your team over. And, and and I guess when you get a blocked punt, I mean, shit happens. But it, should, uh, it shouldn't have been like that, especially with the Chiefs having such a dominant performance as they did. If they would have kept doing that the whole time, you wouldn't have seen the Texans get any scores. I definitely agree with you. And the possessions that uh, the Chiefs did have the first quarter, they basically either went three and out or they advanced for one uh, first down conversion and then just three and out again. So, you know, kind of similar to the last question, but the Texans also made a lot of mistakes uh, with such a big lead. What key mistakes did you see that allowed that huge, huge comeback to happen so quickly? Usually it would take the rest of the game to come back for something like that, but they... They gave up the whole comeback in a matter of, like, 15 minutes. It was just ridiculous. What do you think they did wrong? So, being up by 24 points, it's kind of unacceptable, like you said. It took them 15 minutes to put up 28 points. Bill O'Brien said, I'm taking the foot off the pedal, and I'm going to defend my lead, and I'm not going to try to increase it. Uh, They were playing pretty much a prevent defense for the rest of the game, and I think that was a problem. They had a play on his fourth and one on the 20-yard line, and they decided to kick a field goal when instead they should have went for it with Deshaun Watson, and uh, he definitely would have gotten it, and, but instead they decided to kick a field goal, and even if they would have not gotten the first down, they would have only been missing three points, still been up by 21, and they would have still been on the offensive. Instead, they decided to kick a field goal, take the safe three points, and give it back to the Chiefs where they began to start their comeback with a, I think it was a 76-yard return, something crazy like that. It's just, it was unacceptable to take your foot off the gas, especially Bill O'Brien coming in at the fifth seed, 
you just can't uh, you you really can't do that. Not as crazy as a seventy six yard. It's a fifty eight yard return, but uh, regardless, still a phenomenal return by special teams. And like early on, this whole first half of this game, it was it looked like a very big special teams gameplay for both teams, and that was very crucial for the um for the Chiefs because after that return, they had two they they had two passes to get into the end zone, and then the uh, Texans got the ball back, only ran four plays. Turnover on downs, and every possession after that, the Chiefs just ran down the field, touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, uh, giving a lot of looks to my man, um, Travis Kelsey, who I mentioned being one of the best uh, tight ends in the league right now. And like you said, Rob, definitely not a, um, what were you saying? Pat Mahomes was a overrated QB. Definitely not this game. He did phenomenal. Threw over 300 yards for five touchdowns. I don't want to hear any excuses. He performed great. He was the leading rusher for the team as well, I, although I would have liked to see uh, Damian Williams perform a lot better. He only had 47 yards, but he did have two touchdowns for them, so he did phenomenal for them. But I still think he's the most overrated quarterback. I think he just had a good – I think he had a good game. I mean, five TDs, I mean, okay. Y- yeah, you can't argue that that's not a good performance. Travis Kelsey was obviously a stud with uh, with three TDs on 10 receptions and 134 yards. You, you cannot argue with that. However, on the Texan side of the ball – my man Duke Johnson should have been running the ball a lot more. He had one carry for 11 yards and five receptions for 23 yards. You should be getting that man involved in the game. And Rob, we said this last week too, didn't we? Yes, we did. And they're just not listening to us. Obviously, they're not listening to the podcast, which they need to start doing because Duke Johnson would be winning them the game for them. Carlos Hyde, and what is that? He is less than ten, four yards a carry. And it's just unacceptable. I, th- I think Duke Johnson should have been in the game. He should be the starter. And Carlos Hyde should be kicked to the bench, honestly, in my opinion. I think uh, Duke Johnson just about a running back. But going back to the back to the Chiefs here, it was obviously a dominant performance. Um, within that second quarter, they came back with a snap of the finger. It was absolutely insane. I've never seen anything like it. J.J. Watt on the defensive side was absolutely shut down. He had no involvement. Not a tackle, not a sack. I don't know what was going on, but he was not involved at all. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, however, did have a uh, he he had a pretty good game and nine receptions for 118 yards. I think that was pretty good. And Deshaun Watson didn't have a terrible game, uh, two TDs, 318 or 388 yards. Uh, you really can't can't fault him for that. Uh, I think it was more of a coaching issue than a player issue, but. I digress. Yeah, I think Bill O'Brien had some, like, Pete Carroll-level weird <laughs> plays calls in this game. Like, super weird. Just, like, didn't or going for that fake punt, especially. That was, like, the craziest decision. It's, like, so inconsistent with their previous decision to go for that field goal on fourth and one. It's, like, you, you almost can't do both of those things. Like, and... There's like no cohesion between those two decisions. A hundred percent. It made like no sense. If you're going to be aggressive, you do it when you're at fourth and one. You weren't aggressive enough then, and then you're too aggressive late. It's just weird. Yep. It's just yep. So inconsistent. He, I mean, I guess he wanted to be a little bit, you know, razzle dazzle. But I mean, still, you had to be consistent in your calling. You're playing the Chiefs, who are going to put up points. I, I, obviously, we can see 51 freaking points. That's insane. Just I, and like I said, bad coaching in my opinion. Yeah. So Pat Mahomes, he played, you know, arguably just, I think maybe the best, but definitely one of the best quarterback games we've ever seen in the postseason. He ended the game with five touchdown passes. He had almost 94 QBR. So he he would definitely be the player of the game. I mean, Rob might make something up and call someone else the player of the game, but you know, who else would you say was integral to this high-scoring offensive game that the Chiefs put on? Well, without Travis Kelsey, he'd only have two touchdowns. So Travis Kelsey, obviously, is he's an honorable mention. 
probably one of the best tight ends in the game, just like Dan was saying earlier. Um, but yeah, but I mean, Pat Mahomes had just a dominant performance. I kind of, you know, put my foot in my mouth a little bit, calling him the most overrated. But I still think overall he's the one of the most overrated, but not in the playoffs. He seems to be turning it around. Andy Reid may be able to win a, a playoff game here and there, but who knows? Yeah, I would definitely say besides Pat Mahomes, it would have to go to, like Rob said, Travis Kelsey. I mean, three touchdowns on the game, 134 yards. It's a phenomenal play on his side, as well as uh, Pat Mahomes stretching the ball out to um, another, like, eight different receivers, which is really good on his part, and um, running the offense pretty well as a QB. Being still young in the NFL, it was a very impressive performance. One of the best games I've watched, and one of the best definitely in history for uh, comebacks. It was a great game. Good job, Chiefs. So let's, let's move on to the only close game of this whole weekend, so... Packers Seahawks it was 28 to 23 super intense um pretty close could have went either way so I think this game was really interesting going into it because the they have two of the best quarterbacks in the whole league you know Aaron Rodgers super skilled you know maybe one of the best of all time I think you could say he is the best in terms of throwing at all time Russell Wilson's definitely one of the best in the league right now so who would you say performed better in this game I would definitely say Russell Wilson I mean as you said, Aaron Rodgers may be one of the best fitness quarterbacks, but I think Russell Wilson overall is just a better quarterback. He's more dynamic. Seven carries, 64 yards, plus 21 out of 31 for 277 yards and a touchdown. You really can't ask more of a quarterback in a divisional round playoff game than that. Uh, they had comparable QBRs at about 84.7 for Aaron Rodgers and 81.3 for Russell Wilson. Um, so I guess the QBR does go to Aaron Rodgers, but I still think Russell Wilson performed a lot better uh, in this situation. Yeah, I would have to agree with Robert. Although uh, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best, he had all Russell Wilson had all all around a, a great game for them. He he did everything he could for that team, um, and he was also the team's leading rusher. But that wasn't a shocker because besides that, they have no one in the backfield. But uh, I think he was dominant for his team. He just needed. Uh, they definitely needed a better run game for sure, and I think he did a lot of a lot of great plays. Definitely, just like last week with Lockett and Metcalf being the top dogs on that um, offensive core. One hundred percent. Those two receivers are uh, are some are probably one of the best duos in the game right now. I mean, they're they're both fantastic. Um, you know, hundred like there are almost eighty percent pass completion and ninety percent pass completion. It's uh you really can't argue with that over fourteen point five yards um average per reception for both of them, you can't argue with that. However, you're over here saying that the Seahawks have no run game, but I still think they got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield who got two touchdowns on twelve carries for twenty six yards. I know he's not put up the yards, but you bring Marshawn Lynch in for a specific reason to get touchdowns, and that is the reason they brought him in. And I still think he was a pivotal part of the offense because. Their rookie running back would not have been able to do that. Marshawn Lynch, like he said, he's protecting his bread, and he's he's bringing it home for the Seattle Seahawks. Now, granted, they didn't win, but if they would have been going on to the next round, he would have performed just like he did this week. He is definitely overrated. Oh overrated? Get I, out of here. I stand by what I said and said they should have picked up someone else, anyone else. And, I mean, I... I, I think Homer did a decently better job than last week. He d- played well out of the uh, on the flats. He had a crucial first down for them on the sidelines that got him 25 yards to move him down the field. I mean, they started the whole game off behind and very slow, and then they just had to pick it up after halftime, and they, they did the job well. And their defense near the end had a couple great stops for them to prevent that, but their offense got destroyed by the, the major drop for the first down on their last drive. 
by Turner, who could have sealed them driving down the field and scoring. And they he he missed the he missed the completion, and then their defense just couldn't hold up with Aaron Rodgers. And I think another thing to mention uh, why the Packers all around definitely won this game is because. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson doesn't have that many people to throw to. He utilizes two tight ends, but not much. They only have majority three guys receiving on that offensive core. It's literally Lockett, Metcalf, and Hollister, one of their tight ends. He doesn't get the ball out to anyone else. He's only had five receivers that carried receptions where all these other teams are spreading the ball out with eight, nine different receivers on their offense. So I think that's easy for defenses just to focus their protection on those specific receivers because those are his main targets almost 100% of the time. Well, yeah, but if you're, I mean, but with their skill ability, I mean, and they still combined for 13 receptions out of his 21 uh, pass completions. I mean, you can still, you can zero in on them, but I mean, they're still performing well. And Metcalf had a fantastic game last week. I mean, I I don't think the cornerbacks are able to um, compete with And them. I'm not... And I'm not dissing them. I'm just saying it's very easy for a defense to take advantage of that, seeing that they're, he's only targeting three major receivers on their team, and that's... Oh, well, 100%. I mean, yeah, he needs to spread the ball out more, and the, but but they need to get him more help, essentially. I mean, that's what it comes down to. If you, if you don't trust more people to catch the ball for you, you're not going to throw to them. So it all comes down to, you know, getting people in free agency, drafting the good people that you need, and it just seems like Pete Carroll kind of you know, was a little bit lax this year on that. I mean, you know, just giving him, like you said, five different targets for the divisional round. I mean, he should have been spreading the ball, eight, nine people, like we were saying. Obviously, he didn't. Is that just a product of not having the ball enough, not having the confidence? We, I guess we'll never know. So you guys had mentioned that you think Russell Wilson had a pretty good game. So who do you think takes the blame for Seattle's loss here? You know, usually you have one of the best quarterbacks playing a really solid game, and you're going to win that game, especially against Aaron Rodgers, who really just had a, you know, decent performance. So, who, you know, who gets the bulk of this blame for this loss? The refs. <laughs> With that horrible spot in the fourth quarter, high, like, they would have gotten the ball back and most likely driven down the field because they have the momentum. So, I mean, it's really, it's like that's a product of that. I mean, the refs kind of screwed them. I mean... They, they had a slow first half, but the second half, everyone turned it on. The, the, you know, the Packers only were able to score seven points in the second half. The Seahawks are scoring 20. You know, it's almost 20 unanswered points at that point. So it's like if you were able to, if the refs would have called the down um, where, they, where they should have and, you know, not allowed the Packers to convert on, on fourth down or third down, whatever it may have been, um, they would have probably driven the ball back down the field and won the game. But the refs stole it from it, in my opinion. I would just I would just point out, like Rob said, the first half was atrocious for them. Very very slow start for them, which killed them. They just had to get motivated coming out of half and fight for their lives to try to pull out this win. They obviously didn't do that this game. Honorable mention for them would be Bobby Wagner, one of the top linebackers in the league. Uh, he did a great job for them. Uh, their D-line put a decent amount of pressure on Rodgers, but they just couldn't get done. And I was very shocked that they couldn't cover Devontae Adams, who I gave a big shout-out. And I mentioned he was someone to watch this game, and he definitely was because he had a huge performance. Yes, and he it did. was just surprising that they know who he is coming into this game, and they still still could not cover him and they lacked i would have liked to seen more double cover they they lacked trying to throw a double coverage on him they, they just barely did it they should have definitely had double coverage on him for majority of that game and they just never did it they did one-on-one -on -one, and he'll beat his man down the sideline and get an easy drop off by aaron Rodgers. yep it was very yeah. hard for them yeah, somebody who somebody who can place the ball like aaron Rodgers can it you almost have to take away their leading receiver just like that 
you know, Devontae Adams, 160 yards, two TDs. That's kind of unacceptable for, you know, you to not warrant a double coverage. I mean, I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. However, there should have been a safety in a corner on him at all times after his first touchdown, in my opinion. But, you know, like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, also, the run game for the Packers was getting going. Jones, you know, 21 carries for 62 yards. He only had a three-yard average, but he did have that, that two TDs, which I do think helped the Packers continue their assault on the Seahawks in the first half. However, uh, they kind of slowed down the second half, so they're kind of my game MVPs, uh, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. They both had good games, uh, slowed down the second half. Um, however, you know, Aaron Rodgers and all of them uh, were able to keep the Seahawks at bay. So what did you think of the fact that Russell Wilson took the five sacks this game? You know, was that his fault? Was he not moving like he should have? Or was it an offensive line issue? I think it was an offensive line issue. I mean, it's kind of, I keep feel like I keep saying everything's unacceptable. But I mean, you're a professional athlete. I mean, as a, as a offensive lineman, you have one job and that's to protect the quarterback. And if you allow five sacks, and you've been seeing this game after game after game, you know, five, six, seven, eight sacks. It's like, like how, how does that happen in the playoffs? You have the best teams in the league. You know what I mean? I understand you're facing the best defensive line, but you got you to gotta be better than that. So uh, check back on Friday. We're going to release another pregame for this championship round that's coming up. Uh, it should be a really interesting one, you know, especially with these new developments on the Titans, you know, looking a lot better than we had thought they would be going into the playoffs. So, yeah, make sure you check it out.